oh my Put me in coach, I'm ready to play fantasy I know I turned two in a day, but the laces ain't hot in my veins I can turn two in every way, so I turn to you two today And smash play, I'm prepared to listen The x flipping whip got me looking way past the pitches Statistics all that I know, and I know that who is on first He can say I'm ready to go <laughs> I ain't trying to steal second or third Cause I wanna win first How am I to put all of these numbers to words I know the terms from A to Z It's like a gift and a curse I know the difference between a splitter and a curve But if I can't put it in the points Man, then what's it worth? I need the truth I need knowledge Found this podcast with all of it But what they call it? Turn two Turn two, what it do? Win leaps Catch out Hey everybody, do you hear that music in the background? It's it's quiet. It's in the background. Can you tell what that music is? If you if you did if you can, you're a real baseball fan. Welcome back to the Turn Two Podcast. We are continuing on our 30 team preview series with the Cleveland Indians. And we're gonna be playing random music throughout the entire time because I can't help myself. I'm your host, Matt Williams. Uh joining me on the podcast today is Mr. Michael Govier. What is up, buddy? Hey man, how you doing, man? Uh, and for the first time on the Turn Two Podcast, we also have Mr. Chris Clegg, formerly of SP Streamer. He has another project coming up pretty soon that he's working on uh, with me. We'll be announcing that probably in the next couple of days. Uh, Chris, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you, Matt. Excited to be on with you guys, and looking forward to a great talk tonight. Is this music just throwing everyone off? Because I just love having it in the background. Oh man, this is the dream right here. Who doesn't love the Major League theme? Everything about Major League, the first movie only, is awesome. Hey, Hold you on, you didn't like number two with Jack Parkman? I love the Jack Parkman character, but the rest of the movie is kind of bleh. <laughs> I love all baseball movies. I'll even watch Back to the Miners. I'll watch it. I'm not saying wow. it's good, but I'll watch it. Like okay, that's, well, that's you a, do you. <laughs> that, know, what, know what that is? That's a if you're sick at home and you're in and out of consciousness, you throw that on because you don't care. That's that's where that movie is. Downtown <laughs> Anderson. All right. That's a completely so, different uh, concept. You didn't say that. Yeah, if I'm, I don't care at all. Who cares? Put on anything. <laughs> So uh, we're going to be doing these like we do the rest of the, all the shows. We're going to get into the Cleveland Indians, the entire lineup, the entire bench, rotation, uh, bullpen, every single part of the team. Uh, some of them matter more than others, uh, but, you know, they have a lot of interesting pieces. So starting right at the top, uh, using roster resource like we always do, Francisco Lindor is leading off at the top of this lineup. Uh, do we really need to say much about Francisco Lindor? Uh, I don't know if we really do. I mean, he speaks for himself. He's one of the elite shortstops in all of baseball, and his... Tiny frame continues to put out 30 home run seasons. So who wouldn't want that with 20 stolen bases? Yeah, I mean, he's first shortstop going off the board right now. Uh, definitely one of the elites at a deep position. And uh, I honestly don't think we've seen the best from Lindor yet. And, I mean, like you said, he speaks for himself. And if we haven't seen the best yet, then, man, he could really be in for a big year, even in a shortened season. Yeah, I mean, there's some people in the beginning before the uh, the crazy the craziness started that uh, were maybe considering uh, <laughs> considering taking Trevor Story in front of them. I, I, I muted the music because it was getting a little much. But um, yeah, I, uh, now that the, there was the possibility that games might not have been at cores, then I was completely off of Trevor Story. There's a lot of people that are split on that whether he would lose value or not. Um, he is someone where I, I feel that. Um, I feel that someone like uh, Nor Nolan Arenado would actually translate better out of cores, kind of like Larry Walker, kind of like um, 
kind of like uh, Matt Holiday when they left. But some people are on Trevor's story saying his speed will still be there. But he, as far as his actually batted, batted ball skills, he looks like he would fall off. So we're not sure exactly what we're going to get uh, heading into this season. But um, no matter what, it's not going to affect uh, Francisco Lindor. Uh, the big question is they have him batting lineup here. They have Oscar Mercado batting second. Uh, during spring training, they didn't necessarily have that. Mercado was battling a little bit of a wrist injury. Uh, so that, you know, grain of salt, you're not really sure what the Indians have planned. They in roster resource has Mercado parked in the two hole. I'd rather see Mercado leading off and Lindor in second, but we actually saw Mercado batting towards almost the bottom of the lineup and they had Cesar Hernandez up in like the two hole uh, or even leading off. That would obviously be a huge detriment to Oscar Mercado. So, I mean, what do you guys think of the sophomore um, season for Mercado coming up? Because he's someone whose uh, value could dramatically change depending on where he's in the lineup. Yeah. Uh, Oscar Mercado is somebody that really seems to create a lot of buzz from people in the know and anybody who's playing fantasy baseball. He's a guy that people are expecting a jump from him to create more. Uh, his sprint speed is silly. It's one of the best in baseball. So, He's clearly going to give you those steals. I wonder if having him lead off would really, really be beneficial. I completely agree with you, Matt. I would love to see Lindor in more of a driving in runs opportunity. That kind of bums me out. But the Indians outfield has been a disaster also for the last three years or so. So Mercado is going to get run. And I'm happy taking him where he's hanging out right now. You know, he's ADP around 132. And that's fine with me. I think if you're looking for steals, you can wait on a guy like Mercado and you probably get if if he's allowed to run wild. I mean, I think a 30 seal season's in the bag. I don't know about yeah. in the bag. I mean, I, I would think it's possible. Right. But uh, given what we saw last year, I would say like 2025 is more like is something you would draft hoping for or, or expecting. And then 30 is what you're hoping for. Right. Uh, yeah. Chris, any, anything different, uh, Chris, that you, you kind of think of Mercado? Yeah, I'm just not fully sold yet on him. Um, not a great on-base guy, at least last year. I had a 318 OBP, which wasn't great. And so not sure how that plays at the top of the lineup. Um, again, I could see him hitting towards the bottom and maybe still contributing the steals. Like you said, he's got elite sprint speed. And so if they, they let him run, I mean, he's definitely going to get the 25, maybe even 30 stolen bases. And not sold on the the 15 homers he hit last year either. I'm just not sure he can get back to that number. Uh, just looking at some of the StatCast data, he um, only had a hard hit percent of 33.9, uh, which was 24th percentile. Didn't really barrel the ball well. Um, and so I'm just not sure. And honestly, I, when I was looking at the numbers, only nine or nine of his 15 home runs had an exit velocity of less than 100 miles an hour, which is calls for concern. 60% of the home runs not being hit extremely hard. But uh, if we're drafting solely for steals, then then I'm on board with that. But at that ADP, I'm just not completely buying in right there. Uh, yeah, at his ADP, I'm not really sure right now because I think he needs to bat at the top of the lineup, which I think if he's healthy, again, there was a wrist injury he could. We'll have to see what they do with a modified spring training, which they're going to ramp up here hopefully at some point. I'm definitely with you on the power. Don't believe it at all. Um, like you said, some of the stack cast data will show you. His average home runs were hit at 98.5 miles per hour. That's the second slowest in all of baseball which is not good. Uh, his average home runs went only 385 feet. That's the 13th shortest in baseball. So he had 15 home runs. I believe his previous career high was 13. Uh, there's no, I mean, he's still young. He could grow into more power, but I would say expecting that or below, uh, definitely below is, is the safe route. I, I do believe um, that he's going to do a lot better as far as an on-base percentage. Last year, he only had a 5.8% walk rate. 
Uh, but that is actually well below his career norm as far as the minor leagues. Usually plate discipline tends to travel with you to the majors. Uh, he had a 300 BABIP, again, well below his career average. So I actually think that his on-base skills and batting average overall are going to come up, hopefully at the top of the lineup. Um, he was just too aggressive when he got to the major leagues. His, his pitches per plate appearances in the minors were 3.94. He went down to 3.61. Uh, he had a 77.7 Z-swing um, rate, which is basically how many swings you're taking at pitches inside of the strike zone. That's, that's really, really aggressive. But he's also making contact 89.8% of the time, which is good. I mean, speedy guys like Willie Mays Hayes, you know, you want him to hit the ball on the ground. You want him to uh, make as much contact as possible, but that's okay in certain situations. Like in two strikes, you want him to shorten up. You want to make as much contact, but he was not, he was being super aggressive even early in the count. Um, he wasn't waiting for his pitch. The problem being like last year, maybe he got away with it a little bit uh, because people didn't know him, but the, now pitchers are going to know him. They're going to scout him and they're going to start throwing him trash. It's kind of like when I play MLB, the show, I just swing at everything. And eventually, <laughs> eventually your opponent will get wise to that. And they're going to stop throwing you stuff. And that's going to lead to ground balls and pop-ups and, and none of those are good. So yeah, um, that's true. So I, say one I, more thing about him. Yeah. Is that, Mercado is kind of sandwiched in an area based on ADP with Danny Santana, Tommy Edmond, David Dahl. And I would definitely take Mercado over Danny Santana any day of the week because I just trust his skill set more. And I think Santana was a total fluke. So I think that Mercado's value, I know that Chris disagrees. I think it's right where it should be because he fits the profile of a lot of those guys, though Dahl would be my personal choice of them. Uh, Mercado, I think, is the safest of all those. Dahl has injury history. He's in Colorado. You know what the hell they're going to do. Danny Santana is literally at, always at a risk to lose his job. Um, he could mm -hmm. be a tremendous value, but he, that could happen. Mercado, top or bottom of the lineup, he's going to play. Uh, so he's he's the last of the stolen base guys in the draft where he's kind of guaranteed everyday bats and not going to kill you anywhere else. So I, I do think he's also worth it. Um, I would love to see him. I mean, if he's going to be at the top of the lineup, he's kind of a steal at ADP. If he's at the bottom of the lineup, it's a little bit of a letdown. So, um, but overall, Oscar Mercado, I'm a fan. Uh, moving on to batting third in the lineup is uh, Carlos Santana, who apparently hates everywhere outside of Cleveland. He was a star in Cleveland. Uh, he was an on-base machine. He developed some power. He left town, kind of shit the bed, came back, you know, uh, and then, you know, kind of became what we all wanted him to be again. After batting 229 in uh, Philadelphia, he bats 281 with 34 home runs, uh, back to his 397 on-base percentage. Uh, so uh, what do we think of Carlos Santana as far as do we think, you know, he's just back? Uh, he's going to be batting third in a pretty good lineup here. Uh, you know, his uh, walk rate, still stellar. Uh, strikeout rate, uh, reasonable. Uh, so, yeah, um, where he's going, he seems he seems to be just before the end of the crappy first baseman because first base is kind of shallow this year. Right before you get to the Edwin Encarnacion cliff, where then you're picking up, you know, you're hoping to get CJ Crone or then you're left with Miguel Cabrera or, or uh, Joey Votto. Um, it seems that... Uh, Carlos Santana is that last guy you can kind of take and be happy with. So do you think he's worth pulling the plug on, like grabbing him? Because again, 281, 30 home runs. I mentioned CJ Crone. You can get much, much later. It's not out of the question he gets you close to there, uh, but it's probably a little more assured from Santana. So what do you guys think? Do you think he is worth grabbing uh, where he is currently going in draft? Chris, you can take it. I mean – in an on-base percent league, I mean, 100%. Like, we know he's elite there. He had identical walks to strikeouts last year, 108 of both, which is pretty impressive. Um, last year was kind of a career season, and at 34 years old, 
Uh, we we know he's he's capable. He's done it before. But we saw the first half where he was stellar: two ninety seven average, nineteen homers. A little bit of a drop off in the second half, but much more to what we would have expect, like a two sixty two average, uh, fifteen homers, which still solid play. Um, so I love CJ Crone. Like you said, he's he's one of my personal favorites at first base, but. I think you can feel probably more comfortable with Carlos Santana. I mean, the batted ball data was just elite across the board all last season. And so I, I see no reason why he's, he's not a good deal at the ADP probably going just right. And somebody that I think we can definitely feel comfortable with. I love Carlos Santana. <laughs> he hit the ball harder than he did in his entire career. It's actually kind of not close. And it all came at the, you know, if you're using fan graphs, there's fan graphs and stack cast. They use different hard hit metrics. But as far as stat, you know, fan graphs, if you use that, they have soft, medium, and hard. Between medium and hard is not a huge difference. Sometimes there's a wash there. But um, if you just want to dig into the data, he made a huge jump in hard contact. And it all came at the expense of soft contact, which is obviously what you want to see. Uh, he hit a few more ground balls. But again, uh, if you look into like fly ball, line drive, exit velocity, you know, a lot of these uh, were, were on those extra kind of that little bit of extra power that he got. He hit 34 home runs before but last year he did it at a higher clip uh his home run to five ball ratio was the highest of his career but again you know he had a lot to back that up um so i think all that is kind of legitimate so i'm kind of excited uh i you know he's still young enough you know he's he's uh what is he right now he's 34 years old so i think that you know that that age cliff isn't quite there yet what do you think mike Makes sense to me i mean carlos santana is a consistent player always has been always will be he had a little episode in philly where he decided to play video games in the clubhouse more than play ball but uh i think he got over that because now he's back like you said in his home cleveland he loves it there and carlos Santana is a guy that i would wait to take instead of a jose abreu we talked about that in the uh white Sox episode that i said that jose abreu was the guy that you want to i would avoid him because carlos santana could give you exactly if not more at 60 70 picks later and i completely agree i would buy in all day However, the one thing I would also consider, if you have the ability to wait, Luke Voigt, who you could take down around 200, I don't know if there's a big difference between Carlos Santana and Luke Voigt. So that would be one thing to think about when you're planning for first base. And I know it gets real dark real quick. So. Yeah. The um, And then batting right behind him is Jose Ramirez, uh, someone that has been exciting and disappointing and disappointing and exciting in that order. Uh, in 2018, he had a killer first half, had a really bad second half. 2019, really bad first half, really killer second. And I did an entire, I mean, it seems like I've been talking about this guy a lot. I've been on a lot of other podcasts and, and talking about him on here. Uh, my my thoughts on him are pretty well known at this point, but to go over it again, uh, he is one of those people like Andrew Benintendi, like, uh, like Michael Conforto. There's certain people that are line drive hitters. When you look at launch angle and standard deviation of launch angle, you know, we talked about Nick Castellanos with the Reds episode. There's some people that you do not want to elevate the ball. The uh, When you elevate the ball, it becomes pop-ups. And, you know, um, if you hit the ball in the outfield, your BABIP is lower because you're going to, you know, those are a lot easier to field. Jose Ramirez is one of those people. Um, first half last year, he batted 218, 308, 344 with a 126 ISO, 234 BABIP, only a 68 weighted runs created plus. Second half, 327, 365, and a 739 slugging percentage, 412 ISO, 302 BABIP, 176 runs created plus. And that all pretty much stems when you dig through all the numbers of his launch angle. He actually went down. Um, 
in terms of the uh, beginning of 2018, his launch angle went up to the end of 20, uh, 2018, stuck with it beginning of 2019, a difference between 21.4 degrees and 16.2 degrees. When it actually, his exit velocity for his fly balls and line drives was 90.4 degrees at the, or 90.4 miles per hour at the 21.4 degrees. Drops it to 16.2, he's up to 93.7 miles per hour. His barrels go from 5.1 to 8.2. Uh, you know, as his pop-up percentage dropped from 12.8 to 8.8. As And his home run to fly ball ratio went from 6.5 to 28.9. It's not BABIP-driven bad luck. It's basically just he is swinging at a much more desirable swing plane. And that is that is pretty much all there is to it. You know, people love Wobicon. First half, 260. Second half, 496. And it pretty much all came down to the way he was attacking the ball. And he finally figured that out. So Jose Ramirez, I completely buy into it. I think he's a first-round value. Maybe even an early first-round value, depending on if he stays healthy. You don't know what's going to happen in this season. But no matter what, I think at the first-round turn, early second round, I think he's an absolute steal. What do you guys think? I love him. A great value. I mean, just a year removed from that 2018 season, even though he slumped late in the a second half, but I mean, 39 homers, 34 stolen bases, 110 runs, 105 RBI. I mean, just stellar numbers. And like you said, I think he's going to return first round value this year. Um, it's hard to hard to know in a shortened season exactly what we're going to get. Um, hopefully we get the good streaky Jose Ramirez. But man, you can't argue with, with what he has done. And I just think that he's more than capable of producing that. And that second half last season hit 327, 16 homers for it, got cut short with the hand injury. He came back last three games, hit three home runs. So definitely, I think, a great value. I think he could return first-round value for you. Yeah, there's no reason to think that that wouldn't be the case. Jose Ramirez has been a great player. He had a really awful streak last year. Everyone knows about it. The second half was fun. He's a guy who had a, a increased walk rate the year before it really jumped to 2018 at 15%. And then he went back last year to about nine and a half. So I'm wondering, because that was fluky. His career walk rate is about what it was last year at nine and a half. And I'm wondering if I could get that walk rate up. I would love him in OBP leagues more, and he would certainly be a first rounder in that format. But otherwise, I think I like him where he's generally going right now. And one thing with Jose Ramirez, too, is even through his slumps, his elite plate discipline stuck. Over the entire season last year, including his terrible first half, only a five, he had a 5.6% swing strike rate, which is amazing. 26.4% O swing. And Z contact, as contact within the strike zone, was 92.3%. There was, he was not swinging and missing at, at pretty much anything within the strike zone. Uh, so... It's, it's pretty fantastic. One thing is they did try to shift on him a little bit more. He's a, he, uh, he does shift around, uh, 2018, they shifted on him, uh, as a left, uh, left-handed hitter, uh, 53% of the time it increased to 72.1% last year. Uh, when he's a right-hander, it went from 6.3% to 16.1, but he's still overall, um, hit 250 versus the shift. Uh, he had a lot more, a lot better in the second half, but, um, yeah, he's going to get you exactly what you were hoping for in the second half. I actually think he, like I said, I think he figured something out, I think, with the attack angle. And I think that is something that's going to stick. So I think some of that shriekiness that you're used to seeing from him, I, I am hoping we actually see a full season, which unfortunately we're not going to see a full season. But I think that over this whatever 100 games, 80 games, whatever it is, 
we'll we'll get a good idea of what to expect next year because you know if he's if he's going to hold to trying to be more of a line drive hitter and let his power naturally give him home runs, uh, yeah, I think he'll be a beast. But you know, shortened season, so we don't know what really to expect. Batting after him is Fran Mel Reyes. Um, he's a very popular individual when it comes to uh, sleepers. He last it was a he. 16 home runs and 261 at bats, having already hit 16 more in 210 in AAA back in 2018. That kind of like made him into this really big, uh, big like you know sleeper in San Diego. But uh, playing time issues were concerned. He gets shipped out, shipped out to Cleveland. Right now he's going uh, kind of in that like middle, uh, probably like I want to say the uh, maybe the wheelhouse of everyone's favorite sleepers: Kyle Schwarber, Oscar Mercado. They're all kind of batting in that same area. Are either of you really high on Framel? Are either of you off of him? Oh, I love him. I'm a huge Framel Reyes fan. Uh, I know you could go either way with him or Schwarber going similar ADPs, but I'm honestly just all in on the the Framel breakout this year. Just honestly looking at his stat cast data, <clears throat> me had the fourth highest exit velocity last year, only behind Judge, Sano, and Nelson Cruz, uh, 93.3 miles an hour. And on line drives and fly balls, that number was at 98.2. He just crushed the ball. Fifth highest hard hit percent of any hitter at 51%. I mean, he smacks it. Over a full season, I think he could hit 50 homers. I'm, I'm a huge Fran Mil Reyes fan. I'm, I know it's, he's kind of polarizing. People either love or hate him. I'm all on board with Fran Mill this year and beyond. Yeah, Mr. Reyes is... He's, you said it so well, Matt. He is definitely a hot name sleeper. People are waiting for a big breakout. 50 home runs, Chris. That's that's definitely reasonable. I mean, the only thing I think about that concerns me is if he could get his K rate down a little bit more. I mean, it's not bad. It's not god awful right now. By any he, is, he is actually one of the worst plate discipline in all of baseball. <laughs> <laughs> well, he makes, he I mean, makes it work. Here, the players who had a swing strike rate above 15% and a Z contact below 80, there was five. Wow. He's one, he's okay, one well, of them. Hey, that interestingly is, enough, but I say that, and you think I'm about to name horrible players. This is the list. Again, a swing strike rate above 15%, which is awful. I think we just said Jose Ramirez is below 5%. Z contact below 80%. Uh, it's Fran Mel Reyes, Javier Baez, Chris Davis with a K, Luke Voigt, and Bryce Harper. <laughs> so I don't know what it is. This is a horrible list to be on, but I don't know. These are people that make it happen. But Reyes did have, Fran Mel Reyes did have the lowest contact rate in all of all of baseball. Well, the game is a lot more friendly to strikeouts now. We all know that it's yep. part of the game, and it's fine if you strike out. If that's one of your outcomes, who cares? If you're providing the rest and you can still hit 50 home runs, and if he could hit, I mean, is this a guy who's really going to hit 280 on a full season? I don't think so. I think him hitting 249 last year is more realistic. Anywhere from 240 to 260 would be the max I would really put him on. I, I do. I actually like him. Um, I did a whole breakdown on him as well. I basically told people he's a great reason to pass on Pete Alonzo, who in mm. reality is going to maybe end up with similar numbers, uh, especially we're expecting Pete Alonzo to regress. Chris Davis is a reason to not take Framel Reyes because at mm -hmm. the time he was going like 40 picks later. Crush was hurt, everybody. He wasn't declining. So doesn't mean that Fran Mill's a bad value. It means Crush is a fantastic value also. Uh, but, you know, you, you, he batted 237 last year. Fran Mill is expected batting average was 264. Slugging was 468. Expected slugging was 539. Woba, 338. Expected Woba, 360. So he actually performed better than his metrics indicated. One thing interesting with him, kind of like Yandy Diaz, is like, we know he can hit the ball hard, and we know how hard Yandy Diaz can hit the ball. Their main thing is, 
again, the launch angle, but it's a little differently. How we always say that we, you know, some people should hit line drives. This guy needs to, this guy needs to elevate the ball just a little bit because he is just kind of right a little too low with it. So I would love to see him get a little under the ball because who knows what kind of power we could see. He said, this guy's not going to be trying to lead the league in doubles like Nick Castellanos. This guy wants to lead the league in home runs. So, um, you know, he's still a young guy. He'll get, he'll get every day at bats there. So yeah, I do love Fran Mill, but the unfortunate thing is a lot of people do. Chris does. Uh, so there's usually one guy in your league that's probably willing to, to reach on him. And I'm not willing to reach. I am very happy to get him, but I don't end up with him very often because there's always someone that I think likes him just a little too much. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Uh, bottom of the lineup they have in a, their order is Cesar Hernandez, Domingo Santana, Roberto Perez, and Greg Allen. Mitch, mix and match, really. I don't know what order this is going to be. Like we said, we, they made Cesar Hernandez at the top of the lineup in spring training. Uh, we don't know what their plan will be uh, with a healthy um, Oscar Mercado. But Cesar Hernandez is a sneaky value because, you know, you can be had for – practically free in 12 team leagues and then very, very cheap in 15 team leagues. What do you guys make of him? He's someone that um, a lot of people were hoping could turn into almost like a 2020 guy in Philly because of the ballpark. All you, the best he kind of turned in was a 250 batting average, 15 and 19 one year, but we've seen him kind of hit around the 300 average also. So what are we hoping he can do in Cleveland here? Let's assuming he's hitting in the six hole, which would be unfortunate. We all know the bump he would get from being at the top of the lineup, but if he's in the, the middle to the bottom, um, is there any interest in there for you guys? Cesar Hernandez is always there. He is on the waiver wire. He lives there in fantasy leagues. It's so, every league I've played in last year and the year before that, he has been switched around, passed around through almost every team. Everybody picks him up when they need a spot start at second base, and he's good for that. I, I wouldn't draft him in a 12-team league, most likely. If they did put him in the top of the lineup, that might change things, but his his hard hit rate is not something to be excited about. He doesn't lift the ball well. He has a good eye. He's always had that great kind of uh, decent to – he's not a great walk. Okay, He's not going to give you a great OBP. He's not a guy that is dominant in that category. But it is above average, in my opinion, especially for a guy at his position. So At, his, at, his, at his best, he actually was pretty decent. 2016-2017 turned in a 370-plus uh, OBP. Yeah, but we haven't seen that in two seasons. I wonder if that's just – you know. Uh, he was depressed or he had bad luck or it just didn't work out. I'm not sure why, but well, 356. Th I, I think you look at these six and nine home runs goes up to the 15 and 14 home runs. I think that kind of tells you what you're hoping for or your avoid. You're trying to hopefully not see. He looks like a guy that was maybe trying to sell off for some power in Philadelphia. It's where do, do we think he tries to do that now that he's in Cleveland and he's out of the friendly confines of citizens bank park. Okay. That, that's a fair point. His walk rate also dropped tremendously last year to 6.7. That's a huge drop from 2018 when it was 13. So I don't know, Chris, what do you think? You, you like Cesar Hernandez? Yeah, he's, he's kind of a boring value, but I mean, that's exactly <laughs> what, he's, that's what he's good for. I mean, like you said, he, he gets passed around the waiver wire, goes team to team. But I mean, he's, that's what he, exactly what he is. I mean, if we get 14 homers and 12 steals this year, I mean, it's not like what, I mean, it's not like killing it, but it's a good bench piece, especially in a 15 team, maybe even in a 12 team league. And last year was a huge outlier for, uh, batting average and well for on base more than batting average but that OBP could bump up a lot again I think especially if he hits at the top of the lineup which like we said I think possibly should but I, he's kind of like a, a good but boring player 
can provide <laughs> decent value. Yeah, I, I actually I actually like him quite a bit. I mean, he didn't quite know what his role was in Philly. They're always kind of moving some people around. He played nearly every day anyway. Uh, his, overall, his plate discipline was worse. I mean, it was like his three-year uh, O-swing, 21-6, 20.3 last year, 29.8. His swing, swing percentage overall went from 40 to 37 to 45. So, you know, last year, I like I do agree, it's a little bit of an outlier. He didn't all of a sudden become like a terrible hitter. But for me, it would it would definitely come down to um, to where he is in the lineup. But even if he's sitting here, uh, if he's going to get those stolen bases, that's kind of worth it. I love the death by a thousand paper cuts approach. If you can get someone who's going to hit 275, 280 and give you like 10 home runs like on your bench, that's pretty valuable. Um, but yeah, that's kind of all he is in 12 team leagues. I He's someone that I would, if I was hurting at middle infield, I would pick him in like the last round if I could. And then see how spring training went. Like, let's just say you're drafting now. Like, you know, if you're going to be redrafting, I don't know how anyone's going to be handling that with their leagues. And if he's not at the top of the lineup, I'd probably cut him loose. If he's there, though, boom, you know, you got yourself a, a pretty good value. Uh, the rest of this lineup, Domingo Santana, he's highly interesting. I, I want to say he's probably one of the bigger steals in the entire draft. It, it's hard to say you're, he's batting so low in the lineup, but you know that 2017 year with the Brewers, he batted 278 with 30 home runs. Um, anyone who was kind of savvy didn't knew that wasn't going to happen again. He did have that uh, home run to fly ball ratio over 30. Um, but since then, he's actually hit the ball a little harder <laughs> than he did that year. And he's actually like lowered his ground ball rate. He started hitting the ball in the air a little more. So last year, over 507 plate appearances, batted 253 with 20 home runs in Seattle, leaves Seattle, comes to Cleveland. I'm expecting him to have a nice season here, hopefully batting every day. A lot of earlier projections had him as a part-time player. Uh, a lot of people thought Yasiel Puig could be going there. I mean, a lot of people thought that there could be another piece. That's not the case. So I think Domingo playing every day, I mean, we don't know how many games there'll be, but as far as an actual pace goes, I think that he could have done a lot better than even last year. I, I would expect a batting average probably above 255, uh, you know, 25 plus home runs, uh, which, you know, I know power is easy to come by, but again, this we want to talk about free. He's going in the same Maria Cesar Hernandez. Yeah, Beautiful. I mean, love it. I mean, his first half, he started hot last year, hit 286, 18 homers, stole six bases. I mean, it was kind of a, a flash of that amazing 2017 season. We know he he fell off in the second half last year, but he also had an elbow injury that kind of riddled him. He hit only hit 128 with three homers in the second half, but I wonder how much of that was lingering from the elbow. Uh it, the, where he's going, I mean, you can't go wrong with that. And he's going to play it every day. The Indians don't have many other options. And so I don't see why he shouldn't get every day at bats. And he, like you said, he hit the ball bar hard. He had a great barrel rate last year, um, great hard hit percent. So I see no reason he's he's a good value, could hit 25 homers, even hit 260 or 265, honestly. Oh, yes. Matt, you said it all. I was so excited when you started saying this guy's a steal in the draft. He might truly be one of these steals. And now we're talking about it. We're spoiling it. And everybody listening is going to jump on this, right? Because everybody listens to exactly what we tell them to do, right? They should. <laughs> no, Stamp Domingo Santana is a special player. I really love his skill set. He can run. He can smash the ball. He still His sprint speed hasn't gotten worse since 2017 when he had 15 steals. He just has to have the green light. He has to have more opportunity. And I really think at 350 uh, ADP, come on. I mean, there are outfielders I would take. All these guys in front of him, 
I mean, Mike Tockman, Gregory Polanco, you think he's going to stay healthy at 304? No way. I would love Domingo Santana to fall to me in the 300s. I would even take him in the lower you know, end of the 290s, 280s. Uh, Touchman, actually, I would have been, I would have been pretty excited about him, but I think unfortunately, no, I say, unfortunately, I'm not rooting injury on anyone. The Yankees will be healthy and, um, you know, unfortunately for him, uh, he probably won't get the at-bats that everyone was hoping. Uh, but yeah, Domingo Santana, absolutely love him. Uh, the catcher, uh, who they have, uh, they have batting eighth is Roberto Perez. A lot of people just want to kind of dismiss his season he had last year, which he, you know, finally had kind of every day at bats. He had 239 with 24 home runs again, 239. Who cares? It's a catcher. Um, and yeah, there's a lot not to believe here. He had a 30% home run to fly ball ratio and he has always pretty much over a 50% ground ball rate. Not good for a slow guy, but again, that's reflected in the 239 batting average. You are not going to get a good batting average out of this guy. In fact, he's probably, his Babbitt was probably a little inflated for just how slow he is. So 239 could be shooting high. Um, but you know, he's not being drafted in 12 team league. And he's he's the perfect example of why you do not reach for a catcher in one catcher format. Two catcher formats, I'm different. I I love to grab e- maybe even two elite uh, catchers to completely like um, neuter half of the league. But uh, Roberto Perez, anyway, I'm going on and on about a player that uh, not many people are interested in. But Roberto Perez, I think, is a great example of why you do not need to invest heavily a catcher because guys like this who, again, I think the power is legitimate enough. You can just use guys like him off the waiver wire and continue to mix and match. You know, anyone who knows uh, who, who who tagged, uh, was it Tyler, Tyler Flowers with, who was his battery mate in Atlanta? Uh, Kurt Suzuki. I mean, they were like the best catcher in baseball if you decided to platoon them on your fantasy team. So you can always piece them together. Anyway, Roberto Perez, either of you uh, interested in this man? I mean possibly he's he's gonna get he's gonna get at bats i mean he's he's a good pitch framer so he's gonna be in the lineup uh he's gonna get at bats that's his <laughs> i mean, I mean catcher, he's gonna get at bats. catcher's so thin man it's they no more is, is it yeah. thin is it thin though i think this year mm. might it's better than it has been but i just i don't, I don't know. know i mean i i feel like after the first three it wouldn't shock me who catcher four through ten Catcher, you know, four through 15 can be in any freaking order. Yeah. It, it wouldn't shock me even a little bit. So I just, I hate, I hate to invest. There's, there's better options than him, but he's just a good option. Like I said, if you, if you tag him together with like Omar Nevarez, you're, f- <laughs> yeah, I'm not expecting him to hit 24 homers again. I don't think anybody is, but no, I mean, maybe 18 to 20. And that's not bad from a catcher. I mean, he's not going to kill you. Right, just rather than get Wilson Contreras where he's going, I'd rather draft another player and just take I'd rather stream catcher. <laughs> it isn't even necessary to be Perez. It'll be whoever the heck is available. <laughs> yeah, he's not somebody that you should expect a repeat of last season. He's 31 years old, suddenly has 24 home runs. There's a juice ball. Who knows? I'm not buying into it, but yeah, I'm with you, Matt. I'd rather hang around and wait for uh, Danny Jansen or somewhere down in that area to take a catcher. It's not it's, what he did was like totally insane. Not totally insane because he had 449 <laughs> plate appearances in 2017. He hit eight and 248. You double that. He's got 16. You bring it to, I mean, I think he's got 20 ish home run power over a full season. I think that's okay. It's, you know, it's not beautiful. It's, 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 an, it's going to be an ugly 20 home runs, but there's, there's just, there's just tons of weirdos like that. And that pretty much does it for the lineup. You have Greg Allen in the nine hole. He's probably going to, be platooned somehow with like Jordan Luplo's on the team. He absolutely mashes left-handers. So he's going to be in there for those. Greg Allen at best, as I think is the strong side of a platoon, even though he has 
stolen base potential. Uh, any interest uh, in either of those guys for you? I mean, in daily leagues, I know Luplo would be would be lovely to be able to put in there versus lefties, but in weekly leagues, you know, you cannot have a weak side of a platoon on your team. Yeah, I'm not feeling that. I'm I'm more interested in seeing a guy like Bradley Zimmer finally be healthy and come back and get a chance to play more often. That's who I'd like to see. I'm very interested in either, honestly. Not much fantasy value there. <laughs> uh, I do. I, I know I, I already said this once, but if you are in daily lineup leagues, uh, Jordan Luplo, one of the best, one of the best platoon hitters there pretty much are in baseball versus lefties last year, did bat 320 with 14 home runs. Uh, so they're going to utilize that if you happen to be, again, daily transaction leagues and you can fit him in. Try to do it. Uh, as far as the minors go, uh, especially for 2020, there's really nothing to see. Uh, they they did de- they demoted uh, Aaron Savale and and uh, Zach Plesac and James Karinchak, but that was more of a strategic move because they didn't know how things would go. They'll be back, and that's obviously in the pitching side. On the hitting side, Bradley Zimmer is not going to be on the team when the start when it starts, and then guys like Nolan Jones are too far away. So prospect wise, nothing to talk about. So let's get to the rotation, which is maybe more exciting than the hitting uh shane bieber is the ace on this squad um i guess going around really quickly who believes in shane bieber and who doesn't do you think that uh he's on his way up or do you think we kind of saw the best he's gonna be i mean i was a believer last year if you want to say i mean i kept him in a i actually got mocked a little bit in a keeper league i was in i kept him in a we kept 20 10 team league and they people questioned why i kept shane bieber and then he went off, and I just got to laugh at everybody. But <laughs> where he's going right now could go either way. I mean, we, we might have seen peak value. He's never shown the strikeout ability that he had last year. And I'm not doubting that that won't continue. I mean, he's elite control. We know that. And he's got a great pitch mix. But where he's going right now, I don't know. I feel like I'd just rather have Strasburg or someone like that. Yeah, he's at 2480p, and I remember back when we were drafting for like TGFBI and Raz Slam, uh, pitching was being jumped on. People are jumping on starting pitching because it is kind of a drop-off after you get around 120 or so. So I think that Bieber's value is valid, but I would rather have most. I'd rather have his uh, teammate, Mike Clevenger. I really would. I prefer him. I'd rather have a Clayton Kershaw. I think Bieber's due for a little regression, so I'd try to avoid him if i could have one of these other starting pitches hanging around his area i love shane b um i Ooh. actually completely believe on this i'm not necessarily disagreeing on mike clevenger i think i may also like clevenger more as well uh definitely not agreeing on clayton kershaw though um i mean bieber <laughs> top five not top five percent top five in baseball k to walk percentage when we say he has elite control Elite, meaning elite, like all-time elite. That's how good he is. Uh, K percentage was in the 86th percentile. Walk percentage, 95th. Uh, he had the 15th best O swing in all of Major League Baseball. Ninth best swinging strike percentage, which is a fantastic indicator showing how much he's fooling. An F strike, which is a flawed statistic, above 15th in the Major League Baseball, meaning that you know whether there's certain things that they do and do not count. But in generalities, if you're 15th in baseball, you are starting off people with a strike and you know, just look up the data. If you are starting your hitters off with this, your opponents off with a strike, you're going to do well. The big problem with Bieber is, you know, exit velocity against him is 90.4, hard contact 42.6, stack cast hard hit percentage 43.1, and that's pretty much all due to like a really mediocre fastball. Uh, slider um, 116 ISO, 22.5 swinging strike percentage. His his uh, knuckle curve 135 ISO against. 
24.7 swing and strike rate. It's four seam fastball, 208 ISO, 5.1 swing and strike rate. That's not going to be very good for, for that. And people just barreled the living crap out of it. 11.5%, um, 27% home run to fly ball ratio. But the pitch mix as the season went on, which is kind of like he really picked it up as the season went on, he really changed um, the pitch mix and his pitch, pitch sequencing, which he was using a lot of his off-speed stuff and um, more and using his fastball just to spot here and there. And you can see because the uh, his uh, expected uh, you know expected weighted on base against you know the Wob ex Wobicon pre July was five eleven versus his fastball post July three eighty two. So all of his changes, even though his fastball was still kind of mediocre, um, he was able to mask it and kind of hide it. Um, so I think that he kind of found something in the second half. And even though it's if you look at the numbers as a whole. It looks like there's an easy way for him to regress. Overall, I think that he found something and he found a good way to use his pink point control to use his fastball, uh, but hide it with all of his off-speed stuff. And he also slowly upgraded his curveball. Um, he had a more of a horizontal one before, and he kind of changed it to this faster, like 12 to 6 snapping vertical curveball and made it really, really difficult to differentiate from his slider. So that's something also. If you go on like Brooks Baseball, they have like the, the plane and release points. Um, it really, really made a lot of his stuff harder to pick up. So again, it's all about pitch sync, sync, uh, sequencing. So uh, yeah, I'm all about that. Uh, these are the movements he went, as far as I'm saying, how he went in season. Four seamer to begin the season, he went from 64% end of the season to 56. Still 56, but you know he dropped a whole 8%. He increased the slider from 16 to 22. Uh, curveball went from 12 to 17 plus, and he dropped his change up from six to 3%, which also isn't a very good pitch. Um, so he maximized his strength, limit his flaws. So I love it. Uh, he's still going very early, but I believe in him more than let's say another person that people are split on Jack Flaherty. I'd rather have Shane Bieber. Ooh, wow. Jack Flaherty versus Shane Bieber. That's a great contest. And I think yeah. I would agree with you. I'd rather have Bieber over Flaherty too. I love them both though. Long-term dynasty. Give me them both. I just would like to see what Flaherty did over another full season where I figure, I think Bieber is kind of, he is what he is. He's kind of yeah. like those guys where um, I love Walker Buehler as the starting pitcher three, not because I think he's the third best starting pitcher, but I love the floor. Um, I think other people have the ability to jump them, but I don't really see Bieber crashing and burning. Whereas Clevenger, where you're saying you like him more, I do too. I think he's the ability to jump into the top three. Like I think like he's a Cy Young candidate. So it could Bieber. Um, but I think uh, Clevenger is someone who's going to dominate you where Bieber is going to kind of make you look like a fool, mm. kind of like Smoltz and Maddox kind of situation. Um, any more thoughts on Shane Bieber before moving on to Mike Clevenger? Yeah. I mean, like you said, I don't think there's much regression coming. I mean, looking at all the peripheral stats, most of them line up pretty close to what he actually pitched to the FIP and the XFIP and the Sierra. They were all right there with what his ERA actually was. And so if those are any indicators, then I don't see much regression coming. My only concern would be that how hard the fastball got hit. But like you said, that improved, and hopefully we'll see more improvement with that. And if it is, then he's probably going right where he should be. Uh, Mike Clevenger. Last year, it was mostly have, most of his success. Again, he did this over a short season, which he then injured his knee. Um, and it was his plant knee, so I was a little worried if that was going to bother him. But because of all this, there's been plenty of time for him to heal. 
And now he's going to be in another shortened season. So next year, after he dominates this year, we could talk about his innings limit again next year because he won't be able to <laughs> properly stretch out. Uh, he started off throwing 96 miles per hour, which before that he was throwing 94. By the end of the season last year, he trailed off. He was throwing 94 again. And a lot of people thought that had to do with stamina, which is completely legitimate. But his swinging strike rate went up to 15.2. His K rate was almost 34%. Um, he was just fantastic. 2.71 ERA, 106 whip, 33.9% strikeout rate. Uh, I don't think there is any regression coming at all. I think there's actual improvement coming. I think everything we saw, he is good. I mean, we're looking at, we are looking at a, uh, I, I, I even know what a good comparison. I was about to say Justin Verlander, but that's not the kind of pitcher he is. But, mm -hmm. um, Mike Clevenger, I just, I think that's the kind of dominance I see is possible for him uh, and, and other people obviously do not agree. So what do you guys make of Mike Clevenger? I love Mike Clevenger. I'm always buying in on Mike Clevenger. When he got hurt, we were drafting back in the spring. I still stayed with, I took him in every draft I could because I know the experience, the Mike Clevenger experience is he gets hurt. You get bummed out, you wait it out. And then it's finally worth it. Even last year when he had the back shoulder issue, he comes back his first start, I think against Texas, <laughs> he hurts his ankle and it's like, oh man, I waited all this time and now he's hurt again, but he bounced back after that. It wasn't a long-term thing. And then he cruised his sliders devastating. I love watching him pitch. I saw him pitch a shutout in Baltimore in 2018 in person. And it was the quickest game I'd ever been to in my life. I love Mike Clevenger. That is, is endless there. And like you said, that slider is it's unreal pitch. It's a money pitch for sure. And uh, the fastball, four seamers, is also very good. And he's just gotten better and better every season. And all so, his pitches are good. They're literally all good, all of them. Yeah. Everything he throws is good. But every year, he just keeps getting better and better. And so he's an ace. I mean, no question. And so I think he could he could vault up even higher than, than where he's going. His P valve, if, if everyone uses fan graphs, pitching value, uh, it was negative 5.5 for his fastball. Was up to nineteen point three. Uh, we mentioned that his uh, his his ver his velocity went up from ninety four to ninety six on his fastball. Velocity went up on his slider too, which increased his spin rate and uh, gave it some extra vertical drop. Unbelievable. His curveball also kind of um, you know he started throwing that and uh, kind of lower in the zone too, making it really hard uh, to pick up on. Uh, his O swing decreased. Um, from 40.2 to 33.7. But again, um, it has to do with him kind of utilizing the pitch mix, kind of bearing it in the strike zone, spiking it a little too much. But uh, I think that is definitely fooling people overall. And it's just like kind of like, you know, messing with the hitter's timing, uh, using that, you know, using his fastball, using his slider to kind of be his swing and miss pitches. And obviously his changeup was also really phenomenal. O, o swing rate, 33.8%. Uh, um, and swing strike percentage is pretty much the same of his entire career. So I, I love everything about, uh, everything about him. I think that he has a shot at a sub three RA sub one whip and above a 30% strikeout rate. So, I mean, I think he is a scion candidate for sure. I don't know what to make of a shortened season, but, uh, where would you guys take him in Bieber? Where, where, where are you guys putting these guys in far as, um, your starting pitcher rankings right now. Like are, is there, are you, ex how excited you are about Clevenger? Because before his injury, I was actually okay. Taking him as like my starting pitcher four. Absolutely. Absolutely. Sign me up for that, Matt. I, 
didn't want to take Verlander or Scherzer. I don't, I'd rather have a guy who's a little bit younger and he's coming right into that prime zone where the best years of his career are right now. It's not fair to really compare him to Bieber in my mind because he's just a little bit more advanced. I mean, you could compare them, but Clevenger would be my four too, man. You go Cole DeGrom, Bueller, and Clevenger. For me, that's a top four, and I can live with that. Actually, I would still take uh, I would still take Scherzer ahead of him. So I think, you? yeah. Well, I I think even last year with the with the uh, even last year with his injured back, he still had like he had like career levels in in velocity. I mean, it was amazing yeah. how dominant he still is. The groin really kind of bothers me with Verlander, and they're going to be dealing with a constant booze. That's kind of a headache where I think he will be fine, but I just don't want to deal with it. So I'm kind of I kind of erase him off of my board, whether that's right or wrong. I do that with some people. If there's something I just don't like, I just get rid of it. Mm -hmm. uh, and he's one of those guys. But I put Clevenger up that group. I mean, you know, app, you know, whatever. You're you're splitting hairs among the good guys. But Chris, yeah. uh, do you believe in Clevenger to that degree, or is he safely behind these uh, <laughs> these guys where most people have him? Oh, I believe in him for sure. I'd probably put him in the five to seven range. Um, so right there with you. But five to again, seven to seven. Yeah. Who you put? In, who you put in front of him? Just curious. I could, I could go Verlander or Scherzer. Honestly, they're kind of interchangeable in my brain. But I am concerned. I mean, the back is concerning for Scherzer, and and Verlander's had a couple injuries. They age, so they they could go either way. But I think the upside, they're all pretty similar. And Clev being younger, definitely see could see him having the better season. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were going to say something further. You just oh, kinda... yeah. Well, I was going to say that Clevenger, I would rather have him in a redraft league over Flaherty. I really would. I'd take him right over Flaherty and Strasburg, although Strasburg and Clevenger, I'm starting to get, eh, it gets a little tough. But I, I agree with you, Matt. And I also don't have a problem with what Chris said. If he's in that five to seven range, that's fine. But for me personally, I think Clevenger is a top five starting pitcher. I really do. Carlos Carrasco is uh, hard to nail down for obvious reasons. Uh, you know, he dealt, you know, he dealt with leukemia. Uh, he didn't play over the full season. He came back in the bullpen. Um, but before that, he was actually like a very big favorite of mine as one of the best values in the entire draft. He's like, uh, you know, a career 22.7 K to walk percentage, one, one, three whip. I mean, he's just, he's just overall, he's just really fantastic. So um, what do we think of Carlos Carrasco this year? Is this someone that you are willing to, um, or is this someone you're willing to bet on? I think in a shortened season, it helps a guy like him. Uh, he, and he's going, as far as I can tell, um, you know, it, it, he's one of those people where their minimum and maximum pick really varies from draft to draft. So who would you rather have in a shortened season, Frankie Montas or Carlos Carrasco? That's a good question. Um, I think I'd rather have Montas. I just trust him a little bit more right now. Carrasco, I need to see a little bit of a show me situation. I have a little fear, trepidation. I mean, he's 33 years old, too. So depending on the format, I would probably definitely take Montas. But uh, how, about you? how about you, Chris? Yeah, I'll take Montas also. Um, but again, I like where Carrasco's going. He's just going in a range where there's a lot of starting pitchers that I really like. So I don't find myself getting him a lot. Who would you rather, real quick, who would you rather have, uh, Carlos Carrasco or Matthew Boyd? I'll go Carrasco. Boyd. Really? Okay. So you're out on Carrasco because Boyd's going way later. I know. I'd rather, but I believe big time in Boyd. That's another. I subject. love Boyd too. Okay. No, I just, there were inter two interesting names I knew people were on. So I was just curious. So, in all reality, you guys are okay with Carrasco, but you are not going to be drafting him in any format, it sounds like. Not me. I just tend to miss out on him. I mean, I'm taking Max Freed or, I mean, I know Luzardo's bumped up a lot with recently, but there's a lot of SPs in that range that I like drafting. And I just don't find myself getting him a lot, but I like him. Um, I actually have a ton of shares. Uh, I mean, because I, I mean, from the past, it's his slider has an over 50% O swing. 
His changeup has a 49% O-swing. I mean, this guy just gets tons of chases and misses, and he looked okay when he came back. I think he's going to be fine. And he's someone last year I was perfectly fine being my ace in fantasy because I was I love to wait on starting pitching. Um, this year it's a little differently, especially with the way people continue to drop. I, I actually would like to invest in someone. I would much rather Carrasco be at worst my two, preferably my three. But um, yeah, I, I actually uh, I do love Carrasco. I've been scooping him up at a ton of dynasty drafts where people think this guy's kid's career is over and he just drops and drops and drops and drops. And he's like my starting pitcher five. I'm like, thank you for the free upside. Uh, so yeah, there's, there's, there's reasons to worry here. Um, so we don't know it's, it, you know, it's, it's really like fuzzy and unclear of how that's going to affect him. But um, you know, I think in, in general, I think, you know, three and a half ERA or below his typical one, one, one ish whip and a near 30% K rate. Like he typically does. Maybe a move to the bullpen could be in order sooner than later. I mean, you know, they have Corinne Chak, uh, hopefully getting that role sooner or later. Brad hand will probably get traded at some point. So maybe Carrasco ends up there. Um, if, if he can't hang in the in the rotation but you know until i it's still proven otherwise i think he's gonna probably come back and be the same as he was yeah he i would take him over a lot of the guy you mentioned boyd i love boyd so that was weird and i would rather have carrasco over lance lynn though or denelson lament or probably madison bumgarner and all those guys are going around him on adp so i just want to make that clear too uh the rest of the the rest of the rotation is up in the air i mean and according to roster resource they have adam plicko and jeffrey rodriguez Obviously, um, Zach Plesak and Aaron Savale will be will be involved in that as well, who are fake option to the minors. Savale, of course, will definitely be involved. So let's talk about his uh his performance last year. If anyone screams regression, it's probably him who put up a two, three, four ERA. Uh, but um are there's there's still a lot to like. So um starting with you, Chris, what did you like uh with Aaron Savale and his sinker? Yeah. I- and I'm a, I like Savale a lot. I actually, I'm in a fantasy league with his brother, which is kind of cool. So um, we talk <laughs> really? a lot about him. Yeah. It's That's awesome. Random. I know. I randomly ended up with a le- in a league with his brother. So a lot of talk there about that. And it's funny because for years he had always held, we have one of the leagues is a shallow dynasty. So we have six minor leaguers and he held his brother for years. I'm like, is this guy ever going to do anything? And then he comes up last year and he's just like, he just shows off. And I was like, man, that's kind of cool. But I think there is something to like. And like you said, there's probably regression. He's not going to pitch to a 2-3-4 ERA. He had a 3-4 FIP and a 4-6-1 XFIP. So there's regression coming. Maybe he pitches closer to a 4 ERA, but he's significantly better option than Plutko or anybody else they have, honestly. I mean, I definitely he's definitely going to be in the rotation, and he does have stuff to offer. Well, here's the thing. People are like really, really, really on um, – I can't even these what's his name on the Braves? Uh, Mr. Weak Contact, Mike Soroka. People oh, yeah. are really, really in on him, and they're really in on Kyle Hendricks. And, you know, I mean, you're probably still looking at a 20% strikeout rate from Savali. His fastball only had like something in some embarrassing swinging strike rate, 2.3% swinging strike rate, but a 94% contact percentage. Uh Wobicon 256, X Wobicon 297. So, I mean, people are willing to spend the farm on Mike Soroka and hoping that he'll have a lot more strikeouts where, again, if you're pitching to weak contact, why would you change anything? Outs or outs. Who cares if you get strikeouts or not? The pitcher may, the team certainly doesn't care. Um, so that's a reason where, again, he's free. 
I have, I'm all about taking a shot on uh, Aaron Savala. I know some guys like, you know, I know Alex Fast, Nick Pollock, they don't care about, uh, they don't really care for him much at a pitcher list. But again, it's, it's all about value or, you know, cost value. So, you know, you look at that sinker and, you know, his, his cutter, his slider, his slider only had a 097 Wobicon, which is, you know, un, you know, insane. That's not going to happen again. So there's regression coming, but how much regression can there be? I, I mentioned a three, five and a one, one, one for Carrasco with a 20, you know, around like a 30% strikeout rate. Why can't we see a three, a half, three and a half, you know, maybe a one, one, nine and like a, you know, 20 to 25% strikeout rate from Savali. I think you see that. I mean, at worst case scenario, you still get yourself someone who's probably not going to blow up because of all those sinkers. I think there's no reason to think that he won't have an ERA under four. I think that's locked in. I, I can't believe I'm saying that, but. Like, I'd I rather really... take a shot on Savali than Dallas Keuchel. I know Keuchel's with Grandel. Oh, yeah. Well, Gr- Grandel and, and Keuchel could maybe do some interesting things together. We saw what they could, uh, what uh, we saw what Grandel did with uh, even Gio Gonzalez, who's now over with him again in Chicago. Um, they can do some magical things together. But Aaron Savale, yeah, I, I mean, you cost a lot less than Keiko, incidentally. If you're just looking for one of those people where you have you just kind of need a ratios guy, I think he's a sneaky dude. I don't I don't need the upside. I kind of just need him to be who he is. Give me the regression, the negative regression. Be that guy. I'm fine with it. Yeah, I got no beef with that at all. I think he's really a valued player and he's gonna Everything in his profile that he's done in the minor leagues and what he did last year shows that this is a guy who will be consistent enough and get your rate stats a solid week to week. If you're in a head-to-head league, I'd love to have a guy like this because he could help you win individual weeks. Yeah, he's been so consistent in the minor leagues. And what he did in the majors last year lined up with it. So, I mean, sees him as a good value. I like him a lot. Um, anyone else in this rotation really uh... – Really worth talking about for any of you guys. And you have Zach Plesak. Uh, I want to see him work on his uh, his inability to keep the ball in the ballpark before I maybe invest any further. Uh, Plesak, uh, you know, I mean, Plucko, is there, is there anything here that you guys like? Um, I think everyone else is reserved for like AL only leagues really at this point. Yeah, I'm kind of interested in uh, Logan Allen and seeing if he can develop, if he gets an opportunity. I know we already mentioned a couple of guys who are ahead of him in the line, so it might take an injury or something. But uh, I'm curiously uh, optimistic about him, and I'll be keeping an eye. He'll be on my watch list in my uh, fantasy. Anything sure. on you, Chris? I like Allen. Um, again, not sure if he's going to get much play in time this year. Uh, Plezak is another interesting one. Plezak has a good slider, uh, surprisingly. Very good slider. And so he's interesting. But, again, we're not sure how that back end is going to shake out. That that fit spot, anybody could take. Plucko, Plezak. Super, super gross. Yeah. <laughs> well, they're probably, you know, Plucko and, and, um, Plezak for the same reason. They, they give up home runs. I mean, especially Plucko. Uh, there's a couple of projection systems that have him, his home run per nine being like around or above two. <laughs> so, I mean, Ooh. by the way, spoiler alert, that's terrible. Uh, so, yeah, I'm not, I'm not touching the back end of that rotation. So, uh, that is all the pitching, uh, for at least from a starting pitching standpoint. Let's talk about the bullpen to kind of close out the show here. Uh, Brad Hand is your guy. Um, I don't necessarily know how much – I don't know what to make here because at Kerenshack, everyone was kind of investing in because everyone knew Brad Hand was getting traded. That was almost like a foregone conclusion. If Cleveland wasn't in it, they were trading him. What are they doing in a shortened season? Is there even a trade deadline? I don't know. Is there an immediate trade deadline? Are they giving everyone one month to make decisions? Uh, like what? what is happening there? So I think at this point, Brad Hand might be a sneakier value. 
because unless people properly move him, I think he's probably going to be the closer for the entire year uh, on a team that's probably going to perform really well. And again, in a shortened season, the Twins have a fantastic lineup, not very good pitching. The White Sox have a young, exciting lineup, very iffy pitching. In a shortened season, you're going to have Bieber, Clevenger, Carrasco, and Savale. I mean, I think that they should be picked. I mean, everyone's going with the Twins. I'm not sure the Indians should be considered the favorite if you're throwing out this starting pitching in that division if they play in their own division so it's really sneaky and i think brad hand i don't like to invest early in in closers i like you know i've been ending up with a lot of keon Kila, a lot of uh uh a lot of joe jimenez you know whatever just give me whoever's going to get some 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 saves <laughs> uh but anyway what do you guys think of investing in this bullpen in terms of uh saves leagues only because you know when we get into holds we all know current jack's good but let's just talk about brad hand for a second well Mr. Hand was someone I was avoiding back in the spring on all my drafts. I really was. And I've learned so much about you doing the show, Matt. Because every time we get to this part of the show, you tell me about your, your – Joe Jimenez comes up in every episode of Joe, the two previews we do. Free, I swear. I don't yeah. care. And Hansel Robles and my inability to want him because I don't like him. There it is. So now I'm just going to insert my uh, weekly Jose Leclerc drop because I mentioned him every week as well. <laughs> I but, like yeah. him. People just yeah. there's always a guy like you in drafts that takes him too freaking early. So I don't get him. <laughs> I don't. I don't Sorry care who that, I. Get. I literally do not care who I get. That's my point. Yeah, I'm not. Uh, Brad Hand was being overvalued, but I think actually after this he got a little more valuable. It's still too high at 10480p for me to buy in on that. I would rather wait on all the guys that we've mentioned basically on every other show. So. That's where I stand with it. I'm just concerned. He had a bad second half last year. He had a 5-4 ERA. It was just horrible. And so <laughs> he, did, he did have a 362 Babbitt, but everyone who's poo-pooing. Again, I'm not a Brad Hand defender, uh, right. but I'm just saying it's one thing that people haven't mentioned. Like, you know, he did he did run into significant bad luck for a guy who wasn't giving up a lot of home runs. Right. So I think it could provide good value. I think before Emmanuel Class A got suspended, I mean, he was he was sneaky too, but unfortunately, we're not going to see him probably at all. Um, but Hand has some value to offer. He's got a good, great strikeout rate. And so where he's going, I mean, he may be a little high, but if he slips into the 120 range, it's not out of the question. I, I prefer closers later, but in the 120 range, I wouldn't wouldn't hate it. <laughs> so pretty much none of us are going to own Brad Hand. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I don't think so. Yeah. I, would, I would rather have him than... Uh, uh, Kenley Jansen, I would. Uh, I mean, in terms Ooh, of value, no, 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 like, no, 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 no. What you know? You mean you don't want Kenley Jansen? No, I'd rather have Jansen. Absolutely. No, no, I'd, I'd rather have him in a vacuum. I mean, I'm talking value. I would. I would rather take hand if I wanted a quote upper third closer. Mm -hmm. uh, if I was going to take any of the guys at the top, I take like Ozuna, you know, or uh, you know, know, that would be the guy I'd probably land. And then if I wanted a guy in the next tier, I'd probably take Hand. And the next year I take Leclerc and then whatever's left. But, uh, you know, I don't like any of the, you know, whatever. We're talking about it for a second. Do you, what upper echelon guys do you think are actually worth taking if you had to take an upper guy? Uh, Jansen's scary. I don't think he's going to, I mean, I, push comes to shove. Is he going to be that much better than any of the guys we mentioned? I don't think, I don't think he outperforms Hansel Robles that much in the same city. Uh, wow. I, I actually kind of, I buy in now. That I think that Jansen's going to surprise people, and he's going to be on a good team. And I know that. Although I should say, in a, short, in a shortened season, I expect bullpens to use a lot of people and share saves. And the Dodgers have a lot of talent. So if anyone goes hot hand, the Dodgers can. You know, they don't have as. You know, I, I mentioned all these other teams like Kila and Jimenez and Robles. Uh, they don't have a lot of options, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or the Dodgers do. <laughs> 
Yeah, the Dodgers have a plethora. You're right about that. But Jansen did some work with driveline in the offseason, and I know that doesn't guarantee that he's going to be better, but based on some of the stuff I read in the offseason, I like where he's going to be at this year, and I actually think he might be – he could be slightly undervalued, and that's somebody who, like you guys who tries to avoid taking closers high. But that would be one guy I would. You would? Okay. Yeah. I actually really like Edwin Diaz this year. Yes. Uh, I oh, actually, big... hold on. I'm with you. I'm with you on that. I am. I would take Diaz overhand for sure. I mean, uh, the slider. Do we think they, you know, they, who, who mentioned it? The uh, Phillies pitcher who thought that they, there, no one officially said it, but some pitchers said that they thought that the old ball was back as far as the grooves. And that was a slider was the big pitch that hurt a lot of people, especially Edwin Diaz. So that would yeah. be something. He did not look good in spring training though. He looked very bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I agree with also, that too, by the way. I would take Diaz all day as well. Yeah. I like Ozuna at the upper end. Haters way too high for my likings, but Ozuna would be probably the first closer I would take if I went high on closers. All right. So I hope everyone liked the rabbit hole uh, down random closer lane. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Thank you for listening to the Cleveland Indians uh, breakdown on the turn two podcast. We went through the entire team. Uh, actually, a very interesting squad. I, I do like them in a shortened season to win this division. That is the prediction I am making. I think that starting pitching is much better. I think the White Sox are probably a year away. Uh, we'll see, you know, uh, if, if their young guys can co up, you know, Michael Kopech could come make some noise, but I think the twins, they did get, uh, they did make a little bit of an upgrade. I just think that, and I don't know, you can't outscore everyone 20 to 17. Uh, so I think in a shortened season, uh, there'll be, it'll be an exciting division, but I think the Indians will take it. Uh, so Chris, thank you for making your debut on the turn two podcast. Uh, tell everyone where they can find you. Well, I guess you can't really do that. We alluded to we there's a special project coming up with Chris. We'll let everyone know, but tell everyone, tell everyone how they can follow you right now. Sure. You can find me on Twitter at Roto Clegg, C-L-E-G-G. So you can find me there. And like Matt said, we've got some cool stuff in the works that'll be coming out soon that you'll hear about soon enough. And Mr. Govier, where can everyone chase you down? But by the way, that is not controversial at all. I mean, this team won 93 games last year. They won 91 the year before that. They won 102 the year before that. And they won the World Series in 2016. So I just want to – I don't think that's controversial at all. Yeah, no, it's one of you know, it's hype, right? Everyone loves the Twins. Yeah. Everyone's on the White Sox. It's kind of like how everyone is saying the Reds were a foregone conclusion to win the Central. Like, you know, how about the other teams like the Cardinals that refuse to die? Like, everyone's yeah. burying them year after year. It's like some people aren't giving the Indians enough credit. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I like them a lot. <laughs> Yeah, some reason they fly under the radar. And I'm a Tigers fan, so I I don't like that, but I have to accept it. Anyways, you can find me, uh, MJ Govier, G-O-V as in Victor, I-E-R, on Twitter. And, of course, I do the Hey, it's Enrico Palazzo baseball podcast, two L's, two Z's. You can find us on Twitter at Palazzo Podcast. And, of course, Wild Thing, you make my heart sing. <laughs> okay, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Matt Williams, M-A-T-T-W-I-7-7-I-M-S. Definitely follow the show at Turn 2 Podcast on Twitter as well. We love hearing your feedback. Rate and review the show. Tell us what you like, didn't like, what you want to hear more of, less of. Uh, so thank you for listening to the show. We'll be back again. I think the next show, I don't even know, uh, what, alphabetical order. Hit me. What, what are we doing next? Colorado Rockies, I believe, and then the Detroit Tigers, the land of uh, Michael Govier himself, Detroit. Uh, that should be about we'll, 10 minutes long, yeah. 10 minutes long. I would say we're, if we want to make it an hour, it'd be a good, it'd be a good like 20 minutes on Crone, uh, maybe 10 minutes on Jonathan Shope, and then uh, the rest of it on, uh, on Boyd, right? Yep. There you and go. Joe Jimenez, and then of course I talk about Joe Jimenez. Yeah. Uh, all right, everyone. Thanks for listening to the show. We'll be back. Thank you for listening to the Turn 2 Podcast. See everybody. My, oh, my. Put me in, coach. I'm ready to play fantasy. 
I know I turn two in a day, but the lace isn't hot in my veins. I can turn two in every way, so I turn to you two today and smash play. I'm prepared to listen. The X flipping whip got me looking way past the pitches. Statistics all that I know, and I know that who is on first, he can say I'm ready to go. <laughs> I ain't trying to steal second or third. Cause I wanna win first How am I to put all of these numbers to words? I know the terms from A to Z It's like a gift and a curse I know the difference between a splitter and a curve But if I can't put it in the points, man, then what's it worth? I need the truth I need knowledge Found this podcast with all of it But what they call it? Turn two Turn two, what it do? Win leaps Catch out Catch out